I'm going to go really quickly to the scripture. Thank you for your patience. God gave me a word to release in this house and I was battling for that uh, about what God wanted me to preach tonight. I had something I wanted to impress you with tonight. And how many of y'all understand that the hour we're living in, people don't want to be impressed by us. They want to be blessed by God. And God gave me this word and the Lord spoke to me and told me he would confirm it when I got to the platform. And when Pastor Devin got up and Bishop Wallace began to minister, they confirmed it more than once. I'm going to go really quickly to Judges chapter 6, verse 12 through verse 16. And we'll go through verse 22 to verse 24. Judges chapter 6, verse 12 through verse 16. When you have it, it is the custom of our church culture that we stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to ask you to oblige that custom. After we finish reading, you'll be seated, and I will not ask you to get up again. If you get up again, it'll be on your own. <laughs> Judges chapter 6, verse number 12. When you have it, I want you to signify by saying, I have the bread. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with you, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this happening to us? And where be all the miracles which our fathers told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us. And delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. I'm going to go down to verse 22. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face and the Lord said unto him peace be unto thee fear not thou shall not die then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom I told you tonight I had one word from the Lord for you tonight and it's a simple word and and my message will probably just be a precursor or a preamble to the weightier matters this weekend. But the Lord gave me one word to release. And I want you to share this with the person beside you. You can be seated. Just tell them, Shalom. shalom. You can be seated. Shalom. One of the most underrated Gifts that come with our salvation and fruit of having the Holy Spirit, I believe, is peace. Yeah. Tonight, if I ask you who would like to come up here and receive a million dollars, 
may have a stampede at the altar. But what is a million dollars without peace? What is 10,000 members without peace? The question is, what is biblical peace? Peace is the fruit of having the Holy Spirit. That means we who are really baptized in the Holy Ghost, peace should be our existence. It should be our posture. We should be encased in peace. Let peace be your spiritual measure. Not tongues, not gifts and talents, but how much peace do you have? Hear me. And not just how much peace do you have with God, but how much peace do you have with others around you? Because oftentimes in church, we take on the mindset as long as me and God are good, then I'm good. But I want to live to you tonight that your relationship with others is an expression or a manifestation of your relationship with God. Uh-oh, uh-oh. No, because many of us, if we could just be in a church by ourselves, that church would be good. But how well do you operate with the people around you? I have an issue when every preacher feels like every other preacher is jealous of them. I have an issue that people can't, can't keep a job, they can't stay in the same ministry, and there's always blamed on spiritual warfare when the truth is the common denominator is you. Oh, as long as I got my tongues, as long as I can prophesy. But the Bible even says, if you bring a gift to God and you have not reconciled with the people around you, God says, keep your gift and go reconcile. See, we are a cutoff culture. We're always ready to cut people off who we don't like. And you got to get a revelation. Everybody, every enemy that you claim to be an enemy may not be God's enemy. Instead of always cutting people off, you better learn how to reconcile if you don't learn how to reconcile there will be nobody left to assist you and there will be nobody left to support you because you can't choose who God is going to use I need you to touch three people in your section tell them reconcile reconcile we need to normalize apologizing oh the church just shut down on me I said we need to normalize saying I'm sorry and that's a sign that you have the Holy Ghost because when you really got the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost just don't care you about people's sin the Holy Ghost will tell you to shut up when you really got the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost will make you apologize to people who you feel should be apologizing to you your relationship with the people around you is a reflection of your relationship with God. You're serving communion when you and your wife cussed out each other on the way to church. I see your church title, but show me your record of reconciliation. Oh my God. Peace. Because some of us would rather be right than to be right with God I need you to send the word down your road tell them don't leave don't leave if you get up you're going to expose yourself don't go nowhere what is peace peace is a promise to the believers that are left in this world 
Listen what Yeshua says. He says, peace I give to you. Then he says, my peace I leave with you. Now when I look at that, my question is, what is God kind of peace? Well, I'm going to help you define it by this question. What is God worried about? Yes, sir. What situation is God nervous about? When I see Jesus, he's not pacing back and forth. When I see Jesus, he's seated. Mm. And God told me to tell a preacher tonight, it's time for you to get seated. But we're seated with him in heavenly places. And all of us want to receive the double portion. But tonight I want you to lift up your hands and receive peace. Because many of us are doing the assignment, but it is wearing us out. It's a promise to the believers. It's a description of our relationship with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it again. Peace is the description of our relationship with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, many of you, that won't mean anything because you just got saved in the last 12 months and there's nothing wrong with that and I celebrate it. But if any of you are like me, I grew up in a very classical Pentecostal movement. Now, when I say that, somebody said, what does that mean? Well, it will be easier for me to tell you what I can't do instead of what I could do. <laughs> and in my upbringing, I was always trying to earn God's love. I was always trying to earn God's approval. I didn't know what that peace felt like. Because in my mind, as soon as I made a mistake, even though I just finished dancing and I spoke in tongues and I got gifts and I sing in the choir and I serve, I felt that as soon as I made a mistake, God would dismiss me. And this is why I believe in the God of Israel. And this is why I still believe that Israel and the Jewish people are God's chosen people. When I say they're God's chosen people, I'm not saying they're special because I believe we're all special. When I talk about they're God's chosen people, chosenness deals more with responsibility than it does feeling special. I'm talking to the chosen people in this room because you haven't been chosen by God until you've been at a moment where you wish you could give it back. that God's hand is still on them. Why? Because if God has removed his hand off of them, that brings into question the integrity of God. But when I see God still got a promise for them, that means he's not just a promise maker, but he's a promise keeper. And I need some people in this room that know you've messed up more times than you've encountered since you've been saved. Come on. Uh oh, look at y'all, look at y'all. Take down your halo for a minute. I need to hear the sound of the preachers and those who lead and those who serve that says, I'm thankful that he covered me in the midst of my wrongdoing. In the midst of, I need you to shout. Everybody else be quiet, but I need somebody to be on. And guilt and shame can keep you from walking in your assignment. And it's not about what people know about. It's the stuff you and God know about. Because some people never got convicted, they just got sorry. Anytime 
Hallelujah. All of a sudden, they got this strong sense of guilt once everybody found out about it. But David says, my sins are ever before me. How many in this room, you went before God with tears before anything was ever known? You went before God. And let me tell you something, people of God. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, don't lose your sensitivity. Don't lose your consecration. Because some people do it and keep doing it with no conviction. But I thank God that he chastised me. I thank God for the correction. I thank God that he wouldn't let me sleep. I thank God that he got in my dreams. Because the Bible says he only chastens those that he loves. Somebody scream, keep talking to me. Keep talking. Keep talking to me. And so it took me a minute to embrace peace in my relationship with God. Because I was always trying to earn God's acceptance. I was always trying to earn God's love. But I want everybody in this room to lay hands on your heart tonight and declare, I choose peace. For you note takers, I want you to write this down. Choosing peace means intentionally protecting your space. Intentionally protecting your space. Jesus had a multitude that followed him. They were followers. And there was a lot that hung around him as long as he was performing miracles. They were fans. And it takes discernment from us to know the fans and the followers from the disciples. I want to say to you pastors in this room, stop being so hungry for people that you start sunning people who are just your members. Some of you are mad because you said a son left you and they were never a son. They were never a daughter. They never had your DNA. They were just church members. And if you're a church member, we'll preach your funeral. We'll do your wedding. But if you're a son and daughter, you'll get an inheritance. Let me hear the sound of the sons and daughters in this room. Jesus had a multitude. But he did not force the multitude into the 70. He had 70, but he didn't force the 70 into the 12. And out of the 12, he had three. And he didn't take all 12 to the mountain of transfiguration. And some of us, we are still recovering from the trauma of being hurt by some people who took advantage of us allowing them space and access. When one of the hardest things we need to come to grip with is that it was not their fault. Uh Uh-oh. Some of those people who hurt us, it was not their fault. It was our lack of discernment because if you look at that pattern, you would have realized they did not have the capacity to have the space and the access that you gave them. There are some people, huh, they will get close to you. They can handle your divinity, but they can't handle the complexity of your divinity and your humanity. Everybody that want to be close to leadership can't handle it. Because when Jesus started preaching, eat my flesh and drink my blood. (laughs) When the strong doctrine comes, come on somebody. Many of us gave people access into spaces that they were not equipped for 
and we ended up losing our peace. That's why the Bible says lay hands on no man. Suddenly, if you walk a man slow, you won't have to run him out fast. Don't be so quick to fill a spot and a roll. Oh, I feel a little tension in the room. Don't, don't feel, don't be so quick. I don't care what their title was in another church. I don't care what their position was in another organization. When you come over here, you got to be born again. You got to take on the DNA of this house. And the reason why I know you need to be born again, because you're still comparing here to where you left. And if it was so good where you left, you should have. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor the season we're in, we're not begging anybody to stay. The season we're in, we're not begging anybody to come. I'm not angry, it's just the way I preach. Because it's not, it's, it's nothing worse. It's nothing worse that when you have produced something after the flesh, it has to live a season in the house with your promise. Not that it's worse when you hired somebody that's an Ishmael. Now Ishmael got to share the space with your Isaac. Not that it's worse than when you got to minister in front of your blessings and your mistakes. Somebody shout, I choose peace. Touch them, tell them, protect your space, protect your space. And then number two, and I'll go very quickly. Choose your battles. If there's no prize to win, there's no argument necessary. And I'm asking God to put an anointing on some of you tonight to learn the backspace button on your phone. I'm asking God to anoint you to remove your finger off the share button. Because some of you, if you don't say it, you will share somebody's video that will say it for you. And now you up in the middle of the night debating and arguing with somebody that has the profile picture of a cat. Who's the crazy person? The person who's still debating with the cat. I need somebody to shout, ouch. There's no prize because if it's not your assignment, it's your distraction. And ask David what happens when you leave Ziglag exposed. Choose your battles. And that's what I'm saying in this season because what God is getting ready to do with some of the ministries in this room, there are no meetings necessary. If we've been going back and forth over something for a long time, I hear the Holy Ghost in that. No meeting necessary because sometimes people will take advantage of your vulnerability and they will pull you in for one last meeting to kick you in the stomach before they leave. But I declare I expose the pattern of the enemy tonight and I'm going to tell Judas whatever you're going to do, do it quickly because we're going to recover quickly. I wish I had somebody in this. I've come to, I don't know who I feel. a prop. I feel a prophetic wind getting ready to hit this house because somebody's church went through a shift recently but God told me to tell you if you praise them now your recovery is going to be quicker your recovery <laughs> 
Somebody shout quick recovery. And your only frustration is going to be that you cried over what you lost as long as you did. Mm. Let me move very quickly. Number three. Don't let others rush you to make decisions. A loss of peace often causes a loss of judgment. And God is not the author of confusion. Don't let people put a rush on you. Do you have to make a decision right away? Let's normalize again the phrase we used to say. Let me pray about it. I'm really, I'm serious. You would be surprised how many church meetings are going on now without prayer. You'll be surprised how many board meetings we're having. How many praise teams? At some point when there's tension in the department, instead of having a rehearsal, we need to have a prayer meeting. When the media team and the musicians are in warfare with one another. When the preachers are not speaking to one another. Come on. When the greeters are having arguments with the parking lot attendants. Somebody needs to say, hold up. We can't keep doing spiritual things out of our flesh. We got to pray about everything. See, people call you spiritual and people call you deep. But the, the opposite of being deep is shallow. And you cannot do deep ministry in shallow waters. I need you to scream at somebody tell them everything is spiritual. And seek peace. Number four, seek peace. Psalm 34 and 14 says this, depart from evil. I hope I'm not embarrassing you tonight. It's just the way I am. I'm sorry. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace. Pursue it. When you're trying to determine what job, don't seek pay before you seek peace. And I feel like I need to say this tonight because somebody in this room, you're taking a position that's keeping you from ministry. And everything, every open door is not a God door. You making plenty of money, but you spending no time with your family. Seek peace before you seek pay. When choosing your spouse on your list of priorities, all of us have our desires. <laughs> all of us like what we like. But a, a, a cute shape and long hair and a vicious spirit Come on, sisters. I know what you want. Some of y'all want. Amen. <laughs> I know what you want, but you want somebody, not just that somebody who looks good, but when they come home, they bring peace in the atmosphere. When choosing your church hallelujah, and your ministry, don't seek a position. Seek peace. Because I'm getting older now. <laughs> I don't want to go to church and leave worse than I <laughs> I did that for a season I don't want to do that no more and I'm talking because there's some people in this room you won't leave where you are because you feel like you got too much money invested in that space and because your family has been in that church for generations 
and y'all still falling out every Sunday after church and you got to go to the golden corral and have a whole discussion about what this person said and what that person said I don't come to church for drama I come to church for God somebody shall seek peace and I want to I want you to write this down their storm doesn't have to be your storm <laughs> just because it's something that incites them and angers them don't allow people in your life to put their storm on you you know I was pastoring three churches up until several months ago I gave the church in Brazil uh, to a, a young couple and we planted churches all over the US and churches in India and we have a school in Pakistan and every so often, somebody will come in my office and say, well, Bishop, but we're not doing anything for the people in Kenya. And I said, oh, okay, well, what, what can we do for the people in Kenya? Then somebody said, oh, we're doing missions around the world. What about the people down the street? I said, oh, okay. And after a while, I found myself trying to operate out of the storm that other people had. And after I, I didn't, there was a moment I realized, hold on. This is not God sent. There are moments that the enemy will anoint people to annoy you. They'll say good things, but with the wrong intentions. That's why you can't allow your discernment to be dismantled by compliments. All these great men of God that show us the way to salvation. They were saying something. The woman was saying something good and the apostle turns around and said, come out of her devil. Now most of us would have been confused because she's saying the right thing but with the wrong intentions. And there are times people would try to seem smart in your ministry by finding something that's wrong. They want to be deemed special and anointed by sitting back, finding out where the cracks are in your leadership, what's missing, what you all are not doing. And you will find yourself being depleted because you're trying to fulfill what they said. Tell your neighbor, their storm don't have to be your storm. How can Jesus sleep in the bottom of a ship in the middle of a storm? Because there was no storm in him. Somebody shout shalom, shalom. I'm almost finished because I believe we need to have a deliverance service tonight. We are always trying to protect our peace when God says, I want my peace to protect you. When you choose peace, that means you're making it a priority. It guards your heart. And I'll go to my text very quickly, Apostle Rayleigh, and I'll finish. Gideon. Gideon. Who is called a man that's mighty and full of courage? Which seems like a contradiction. Because when we meet him, he's hiding. Mm. When God calls you to an assignment, the first thing that God wants to address is your fear. 365 times in the scripture in one variation or the other God is speaking fear not through the angels fear not there's a fear not for every day of the year 
Now, why would God first address your fear before he tells you the assignment? Because he knows what he's about to say to you has the potential to scare you to death. I grew up in a small town, one stoplight town called Gretna, Virginia. I know you never heard of it. Don't worry about it. Oh, you have? All right. Okay. Oh, look at G-Town is in the house. All right. Maybe we are on the map. Amen. Grew up in a very small town of people of great faith. We had to have great faith because we lived an hour away from the nearest hospital. <laughs> but I saw some miracles happen. I saw some miracles. My grandmother one day told me when I was young, she says, go down to Big Catherine's house. Big Catherine was a woman down the street who sold different stuff. She sold soap, homemade soap and different things. She said, go down there and get me some of her homemade soap and uh, give me some of her fried pies. Yes, ma'am. I get on my bicycle and I go to her house. And after I got it in one of those bags, because we don't throw away bags. I put it on my bicycle handle and I headed back home. And all of a sudden, this black dog, I don't know why I had to say he was black, but anyway. <laughs> I said it with all these white people in the room. Anyway, <laughs> this black dog came after me out of nowhere. And I've always had a fear of dogs. And so when this dog came after me and I was on the bike, I jumped off the bike. I left the bike. I lost the bag and one of my shoes. And when I got home to my mama, that's what we call her. We don't call her grandma. We call her mama. I said, mama, a dog. She said, what? where's my stuff? Now, my grandmother's from a different generation. So she's a sweet woman. She lives in my house. She's 90 years old. Still love the Lord. Nothing wrong with her mind. She's evolved a little bit. But back then, we didn't understand verbal abuse. It was just the way we talk. And she looked at me. She said, why are you so dumb? She said, you dumb, son. You're dumb. I said, what you mean? She said, you had a better chance getting away from the dog if you would have stayed on what you was on. But fear will make you jump off of your solution. I need you to get the three people as quickly as you can and tell them, stay on the bike. Stay on the bike. God has already given you what you need to get away from what you need to get away from. But fear will make you jump off of what you've been given. And you know what my grandmother said? You go back and you get that bike, find your shoe, and get my fry pies and that soap. She didn't have, she didn't have pity on me and said, I'm going to go with you or don't worry about it. She said, no, you go back and face it. Because if you don't face it, you got to keep repeating it. My God. And God told me to tell you tonight, he's giving you a confidence tonight. Hallelujah. There's some things that are barking at you. There's some things that's barking at your family. There's some things that's coming up against your ministry. But I need you to scream at somebody. Tell them, face it and get past it. Face it and get over it. Face it and defeat it. Hmm. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom, Gideon. 
Gideon, fear not. Because what I'm saying to you is about to scare you. Fear, fear not. I'm going to use you to deliver. I'm going to use you to get victory to my people. Mm. The Lord told me to tell somebody in this room, you're about to get a revelation concerning your warfare. Your warfare is not about your image. Your warfare is because of your anointing. Your anointing is announced by your warfare. So we think it's because our name is on a seat or we got a badge or we got a, a special parking spot. No, no. We know what you're carrying based upon what you're fighting. Jezebel only shows up where there's a prophetic anointing. And Jezebel is different than Athaliah. See, Athaliah wants to be queen. She wants the power. She wants the seat. But Jezebel wants to be close enough to you to manipulate leadership. And that's what hinders some of our ministries because we have administ I mean, we got different people. <laughs> we have influential people in our churches who've been with us for a long time. And then the place where there should be a door, they're operating as a wall. And when our ministry should be expanding and growing, people are afraid of losing power. So they make us suspicious about anybody new who comes. So your anointing will always be announced based upon your, your warfare. If you have a deliverance anointing Moses, you're going to have to deal with the Pharaoh system. A system that always buffets against I was telling the, the pastor today, I says, I'm a little bit, to some people, I'm a little bit more law-based, I guess. <laughs> a little old-fashioned in some things. Yes, I wore my sneakers tonight, but I needed to wear my jacket, so I felt covered. I mean, I could have wore a robe. Y'all know I could have, right? <laughs> in our church, it's our church culture. It's not me putting it on you all. I tell our church culture, we don't socially drink. Now, don't y'all get mad at me up here, because I see a couple of y'all up here. Let me tell you. Yeah, that's between y'all and God. I'm just saying our church, we don't socially drink. And I'm going to tell you why. First of all, we have a recovery program in our church. So every Sunday, we have a strong contingency sit in our church of people who are struggling with addiction. And we have a deliverance ministry. And when that is your mantle, you can't be intoxicated by what you need to cast out. You don't, you don't cast cancer out of my body with nicotine on your breath. Come on. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a conflict. That's a contradiction. I know I'm not coming back, but I got to preach it while I got it. And so your warfare will always be an announcement of your anointing. Like if you have a Davidic anointing. See, this is why Bishop Wallace... Everyone cannot pastor creatives. Now, some of you pastors, you say, oh man, look at Bishop Wallace. He got a great music department. I wish I could have that music department. I wish I could have more singers. I wish I could have more liturgical dancers. Everybody don't have the wingspan for it. It takes a special grace to pastor creatives. It really does. Because if you have a Davidic anointing, 
You're going to have to deal with the If you have a Davidic anointing, <laughs> if you have an anointing like David, you got to deal with a spirit called Saul and David. Don't y'all run. Don't run. In other words, people who are creatives, as, as what makes the, the thing about them that makes you like them is also the thing about them that will make you not like them. Because creatives are imaginative in every aspect of their lives. And, and the way you deal with them sometimes is different than the way you deal with the doorkeeper. Sometimes a musician, even in the midst of their fall, you have to keep them connected. Not that you're validating their sin, but their deliverance is connected to their assignment. Oh my God. Everybody don't have the capacity because nobody hinders David like David does. And so your warfare will announce what type of anointing you have. Scream at somebody, tell them I must be anointed. And he says to, he says to Gideon, he says, I'm sending you, but I'm going with you. Very quickly, you need to be reminded of this. God will never call you to do something that you can do without him. So if it's too big for you, sounds like God. If it's going to cost more money than you have in your account right now, it sounds like God. Because you haven't been called by God until you've been inconvenienced by God. Everybody else be quiet, but I need the 100 people in here to talk back to me that you finally tried to create some kind of normality for yourself. Some of you even imagine how you could resign and give the keys to the church to somebody else and go somewhere else and start over. But I need you to scream at somebody to tell them, he wouldn't let me quit. Because many of us have resigned in our head more times than the people around us know. But God says, Shalom. He says, not only are you going to get victory against the Midianites, but you will not die. And I need everybody in the Holy Ghost in here tonight. I told you I'm going to make some bold statements. I'm a man of faith. I, I believe God. I believe the Bible. I want you to put your hand on the shoulders of the people on your row and tell them for the people on this row. Okay, some of y'all still getting your hands out. All right. Come on. I want you to say it with power. Say, for the people on this row, there will be no premature death. I need you to shout right now. I need you to shout. No. No sudden heart attacks. No sudden stroke. No brain aneurysm. Come on. No premature death. I need you to get out of your seat and run to somebody. Tell them, live, 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 live. I come against the threat of death. I come against the fear of death. There will be no premature death. He's covering you. He's covering you. He's covering you. Hey, hey, hey. Hallelujah. When you lose your peace, you lose your creativity. Somebody in here tonight, you've lost your peace and it caused you to lose your energy. It robs you from seeing the beauty of your journey. And peace, the peace of God 
is an expression of your faith. I'm telling you, I went to Liberty University to go there to major in English with a minor in history. I made up my mind I was going to do my own thing and I was going to become a school teacher. I didn't want to do ministry. I'd grown up in holiness. Feel like I hadn't lived my life. And so for one time in my life, I'm going to do me. This is what I want to do. But when you call by God, running away from God will cause you to run right into your assignment. A revival broke out in campus one night. And one night went into another night and another night. The power of the Holy Ghost failed. You have to realize Liberty University at that time was the largest private Christian university, Southern Baptist School. Thank God for the Southern Baptists in here tonight. God bless you. My daddy is Southern Baptist. I'm still praying. Amen. <laughs> Revival broke out. I'll never forget. One night, a young lady got baptized in the Holy Ghost on campus. And we had to get her back to the dorm room before curfew. But she was drunk in the spirit. The LU police saw us picking her up and dragging her out. And the police said, is she okay? Do we need paramedics? I said, no, she's drunk. He said, she's drunk? I said, no, not like that. Not as she supposed. This is that was spoken by the prophet. Hey, I'm sorry. In the last days, said God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. The dorms at that, at the, the dorms were, were not co-ed. They were separated by gender, but we couldn't get her sober enough to get her in the dorm. So we had to tote her up the steps and we knocked on the door of her dorm room and her RA came to the door a sweet young Korean young lady and I told her I says excuse me I don't know how to explain this to you uh, she's okay but and, she, and, the, and the girl looked at me and said I understand she said I'm from Dr. Cho's church out of South Korea she's been baptized in the Holy Ghost But where revival came, warfare. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I know you want revival. But tell them, can you handle the warfare? Glory be to God. There's no way to be successful without being controversial. There's not one person that's successful that you can name that has never been controversial, including Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah. And when that revival broke out and I started our church in, our, in my little duplex apartment, my poor roommate, he didn't know what had happened. Huh. The university, then it turned, hallelujah, put a missive out that our church was a cult. Students getting baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. It didn't go with the university's uh, liberty way at the time. See, I'm talking out loud and everything I'm saying can be backed up. <laughs> Any of our students that were working on campus lost their jobs. Glory be to God. You couldn't be an RA. You couldn't be a, a leader, a prayer leader. And so a lawyer came to me and says, I want to take on your case for a lawsuit. And the Lord spoke to me and says, keep your heart pure. I'm not a serious preacher, you can probably tell. But for a whole month, I preached the message, keep your heart pure. 
I preached about Joseph because those who sell you out today, you will feed them tomorrow. And I want you to know the more we were persecuted, the more we multiplied. Glory be to God. Until five years ago, what people thought would never happen. I purchased the Thomas Road Baptist Church campus on 701. And the people, hallelujah, who had been attacked, now we own Jerry Falwell's first church building. And every Sunday we running around there speaking in tongues. Now professors are members of our church. Staff are members of our church. I come to tell you, you're about to find out what the warfare was really about. God, oh, the devil ain't fighting you because of your church name. He's fighting you because of what you're carrying. But I need to hear the sound of the warriors in here that says, I got a piece about it. I know it's going to work out. I got a piece about it. I need you to pull on somebody and tell them, I got a piece about it. I know it's going to work out. I got a piece about it. He's going to fight for me. I got a piece about it. I'm going. I'm going to battle, but I'm not going by myself. Gideon, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to stand with you in this battle. And there are some preachers in this room. You're in one of the greatest seasons of your life, but you can't enjoy it because you're waiting for something bad to happen. But I need you to touch somebody on the left and the right of each other. Shalom, shalom, shalom. For the Bible said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are here. I need you to lay your hands on your neighbor's shoulder. And tell him I refuse to be saved. And lose my mind. I need my mind. So I can count my money. I need my mind. So I can count the souls. I need you to pull on somebody. Tell them shalom, shalom. Shalom in your house. Shalom in your marriage. Shalom with your children. Somebody been going through warfare. And the enemy has been fighting your family. But I come to declare to you right now. That the devil is a liar. Your house is covered for the assignment. I got a piece about it. Ah, there used to be a time that I would be frustrated. There used to be a time that situations would make me depressed. But God told me, sit down and watch me work it. Sit down and watch me fix it. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Somebody in here, you got a bad doctor's report. Your report doesn't line up with your confession. Your money don't line up with your vision. Your battles don't line up with your anointing. But I got good news for you. Many are the afflictions the righteous. But the Lord, but the Lord. Get out of your seat and tell somebody, Shalom, Shalom. That's your inheritance. Shalom, Shalom. That's your destiny. Shalom, Shalom. That's your posture. 
says man shall not live by bread alone but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God I pray that you are blessed by the message today and if you want to continue to get more inspirational motivational and even more gospel messages I encourage you to follow our YouTube channel or subscribe to our podcast and today we want to give you an opportunity to partner what we're doing domestically here at our local church and what we're doing all over the world There are ways to give. And remember, when you sow, that seed may leave your hand, but it'll never leave your life. The Bible declares to us that when we sow, seeds are connected to harvest. Well, I want you to remember that I know what it feels like 
to cry until you have no more tears left to cry. But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up and keep going.